Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, everything in our culture calls upon us to be self-reliant, in control, our own boss. Don't let other people push you around. Be a leader, not a follower. Assert yourself. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Over and over again, our culture insists on that value. Setting the tone for your own life. Going where you want to go. It's just deeply ingrained in the whole American story. You know, a couple nights ago, I was surfing through the, uh, the cable, and I came across the finale to that show, uh, the Donald Trump show, The Apprentice. And it was the last two people, the two finalists, and he asked them, now, why should I choose you? And you just heard, at least what I heard was, the worst of the American style, as these two people just trumpeting their own achievements and trumpeting their own accomplishments. And I was first at Harvard Law, and I'm in charge of this, in charge of that. All the language of self-assertion, the ego on display. In many ways, the story of the West, since the time of the Enlightenment, has been the story of progress. Progress interpreted as the throwing off the shackles of tradition and authority, finding one's own voice, one's own way. Immanuel Kant, probably the greatest philosopher of the Enlightenment, said, dare to know on your own terms. Be your own person. Think your own thoughts. Throw away the constraints of the past and of authority. That comes deeply into our tradition. You can see it, of course, in our religion. The religion that dominates much of the popular culture in the West is a kind of egotistical form of religion, a religion of self-assertion. There's a great book by the sociologist Robert Bella. It's called The Habits of the Heart. And in that book, there's a little episode which has become famous. He sort of surveys the scene in America, looking at different religious expressions and so on. And he comes across this famous description. Listen now. Sheila Larson is a young nurse who's received a good deal of therapy. And she describes her faith as Sheilaism. This suggests the possibility of more than 235 million American religions, one for each of us. Quote, I believe in God, Sheila says, but I'm not a religious fanatic. I can't remember the last time I went to church. My faith has carried me a long way. It's Sheilaism, just my own little voice. Sheila's faith has some tenets beyond belief in God, though not many. In defining what she calls my own Sheilaism, she said, it's just try to love, be yourself, and be gentle with yourself. Now, What's famous about that passage, and lots of people have commented on it, is this is individualism, self-assertion, run amok. 
dominating now not only my economic life, my political life, my social life, but even my religious life becomes a matter of what I want, what I decide. Maybe picking and choosing elements from all the great religious traditions. And, you know, Christians, you find this all the time, don't you? People say, well, I like this from Buddhism, I like that from Hinduism. That's a charming part of Christianity. And I will form my own religion based upon this willful assemblage of likable qualities. How inimical the Bible is to all of this. All of this culture of egotism, all this culture of self-assertion, especially in regard to matters religious. We can see it now. Our second reading for today are the first eight or nine lines of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. If you're going to read any two things of Paul, you'd read Romans, you'd read 1 Corinthians. It's like when you approach Shakespeare, you might read Hamlet and Macbeth first. Well, with Paul, Romans and 1 Corinthians. And there's a whole theology packed into these opening lines. Listen now. And with Sheilaism in the back of your mind, what I just described, listen to Paul. Paul, called by God's will to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. In the opening words, the opening line of 1 Corinthians. Paul is identifying himself. This is a salutation to the letter. Who is he? First and foremost, he's somebody who has been called. Paul called. He's not doing the calling. He's not doing the deciding. He's not doing the setting of the agenda. He is someone who's been placed in the passive voice. He is someone who has been called by someone else. Someone has seized him, and that defines who he is, not his own will. Now, called by what? Or better, by whom? Listen again. Paul, called by God's will. There's a revolution in that little line. There's a whole spiritual program in that little line. The anthropology of modernity, as I was laying it out, is a willful anthropology. My rights, willfully defended. Think of our hyper-litigious society. Everyone and his brother and sister seeking defense of their rights, setting the tone for their life. Think of Jefferson's pursuit of happiness. It's my will that determines the meaning of my life. Think of Friedrich Nietzsche's will to power. I think I've spoken of Nietzsche before. If Kant is the most important philosopher of the Enlightenment, Nietzsche's not far behind. The will to power is the essential feature of his thought. Throw off oppressive structures and institutions. Throw off people that would determine your way. You decide. You are the ubermensch. You're the superman who can decide the course of your life. Remember I've spoken to you about the decision of the U.S. Supreme Court in 1992, Casey versus Planned Parenthood. 
a resolution of a case dealing with the question of abortion. But what's really breathtaking is the way the court expressed its finding. I'm quoting now. It belongs to the very nature of freedom to determine the meaning of one's own life. Huh, huh. There's the voice of modernity. There's the radical voice of the Enlightenment. There's the voice of Sheilaism. It belongs to my freedom to determine the meaning of my life. Then there's Paul. Paul, called by God's will, not his own. His life does not belong to him. It's not a matter of his will to power. It's not Paul setting the agenda for his life. Not Paul asserting his own ego. But Paul who acknowledges, listen, that his will has become ingredient in a greater will. That's who he is. Someone who has surrendered to a higher will. Of course, remember the great poet Dante's line, Lord, in your will is our peace. That's a Christian talking. It's not my will that I find peace. It's in my will that I find peace. That's the voice of, of modernity. The Bible is the opposite. Lord, in your will I find my peace. That's I find my deepest self, my deepest identity. That's what Paul is saying. Now, what more precisely is God's will? What is God's will called Paul to be? Listen now to the next part. Paul, called by God's will to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Another expression, if you will, in the passive voice. Who's an apostle? The words from the Greek word apostelene. It means to send. To send. Paul is someone who's been sent by Christ Jesus. He's an apostle. Again, he's not sending. He's sent. He's not determining. He's been determined. He's not setting his own path. His path is set for him. He's an apostle. The word apostle is related to our word post and postal and post office. When you send a letter, Paul is like a letter. He's like a message that's been sent by Christ Jesus. We are a million miles away from that willful self-assertion that so characterizes our time. He's an apostle. Often in his writings, Paul will refer to himself as the doulos Christu Jesu. That means the slave of Christ Jesus. Can you imagine someone exulting in the fact that he or she's a slave? That's what Paul's saying, though. I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. I'm sent by him. The risen Jesus is the beginning, the middle, and the end of Paul's life. The risen Jesus is the reason why he gets up in the morning. The risen Jesus is why he does everything he does. The risen Jesus is the one who gave him a mission. And that word from the Latin simply indicates sending as well. He's the one on a mission from Jesus. Mind you, it's not Paul's message. It's not something he thinks up. It's not Paul's bright ideas. Paul is not a guru. He's not a spiritual figure that's, that's come to some deep understanding. Huh. He's not a guru. He's a messenger. Sent 
by another according to the will of God. Everything about Sheilaism has been reversed. That's the point I'm trying to make. Everything about this sort of trendy, new-agey sense of religion has been reversed in Paul. Our first reading echoes it. It's from the prophet Isaiah. Listen. The Lord said to me, You are my servant, Israel, through whom I show my glory. The Lord has spoken who formed me as his servant from the womb. Christians, that's who we are, all of us, baptized into Christ Jesus. Servants of God, called, subordinate to his will, sent for his purposes. Now listen, there's a couple minutes left. As Paul goes on, I send greetings to the church of God which is in Corinth. Church, church, the word he uses there is ecclesia. Ecclesia. It means that community of people who have been called. Kaleo is the word behind it in Greek. The community of people who have been called. The church in Chicago. The church in Detroit. The church in Minneapolis. The church in New York. What are they? They're not communities of self-asserting wills. They're communities of people who have been called by Christ placed in the passive voice by him, sent according to his will. Paul closes by saying, those who are consecrated in Christ Jesus and called to be a holy people. Holy just means set apart. Here's the challenge, Christians, not to set our own agenda, not to set our own path, but to let ourselves be named, chosen, called, set apart, rendered distinctive precisely by Jesus Christ. Because in His will, not our own, is our peace. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.